When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Timings went all over the place today. Getting to I went to Nairsborough back in a day. Nairsborough. You ever been to Nairsborough? Where's Nairsborough? Where's Nairsborough? No. Where's Nairsborough? Well, all right. I'll tell you. Nairsborough is where my grandfather tried to kidnap my mother and have me born in so that I could be qualified to play for Yorkshire in 1969. The only reason that he thought that you wouldn't get in the Yorkshire team I know. geography, not well, ability. Well, he was pressing, blessing my grandfather, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Luckily... My dad came and rescued my mother and uh, dragged me back to London where I was born and so was never able to play for Yorkshire. I actually, in fairness, the Yorkshire side of the early 80s was so bad that I might have got in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for charge. Right, let's take it away. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. Myself, Toby Tarrant and Mr. Daniel Norcross and... Mr. Stephen Finn. And let's get straight into it, Finney. Your Sussex debut. It was a roller coaster following it online. The nice thing now is there's clips that go up immediately. A few years ago, you just had to constantly refresh that BBC Sport page or teletext or whatever. But now I can actually see you hitting sixes and taking wickets immediately. As soon as it happens, it's up on Twitter. I hate the fact that we have to compliment you to, to some extent. But let's, first of all, let's talk about that six, Finney. Talk us through it from your point of view, mate. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to keep going on about it. I've hit so many in my career now that I just, I'm not sure that anyone is any more special than the other. But I'd say that the way that I just picked up the length early and latched onto it and creamed it, around 50 centimetres over the rope to the short boundary was, um, was yeah, I'd say majestic. And then I tried to hit the um, the next one just as far, and this happened. What's he done? What's he done? Oh! Oh, oh now, yes! That is a beauty. Oh. Finney has got a huge bruise on his rib cage. That's, a, know, that's a beast I, of a bruise. I heard bruise. that bruise being commentated because I, I tuned in. Obviously, because, yeah. you know, 
I love you dearly, Finney. And um, and I knew you were at the crease. And I went to because you were like on on north of fifty one or something or other. And uh, <laughs> you you suddenly hit this six, and the commentators had, were genuinely overwhelmed. I mean, bewildered. I mean, the shot you'd played had been one of such tremendous stars. Don't underplay it. It was an absolute beauty. It was like a a right-handed Roy Fredericks. You swiveled. You got it right out of the middle. Back in the old days, when Hove used to have those giant eggs all round the boundary, you might have hit one of those eggs, and you might have had a year's supply of eggs. It was that big. It was that massive a shot. And then the next ball, they were really worried for you, and I didn't know what part of your body it had hit. And they sounded genuinely concerned. I thought, is it the knackers? Is it because that's the obvious place? And then they were then they were sort of slightly worrying about your your heart and your lungs. And I thought, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? Has he, what kind of injury has he managed to sustain on a cricket field? <laughs> and to see it now, that is an absolute beauty. I mean, that is a, that is a whopper. When when did when did it start? It'll go purple in about a day or two, won't it? I imagine. At yeah, moment, it's a bit brown. No, it's it's yeah. still it, it has gone it has gone purple. Um, yeah, I tell you what, it's not sore now. It's fucking sore for the, like that next day and a bit. Jesus, it was. Um, yeah, well, I, my thought process was he bowled me one bouncer and I didn't hit it mm. that convincingly for six. So he put three men back on the boundary and was always saying. I was like, if I'm a bowler here, I'm going to bowl another short ball because there's a chance he'll top edge it. Yep. So I was like, I'm going to make sure that even if I miss hit it, it's going out the ground. So if you were to find a replay of that ball, it would be me trying to hit it about three miles outside of Hove. And I completely missed it and it hit me in the ribs instead. And I ended up doubled down on my knees on the floor. I couldn't breathe for about 20 seconds. Oh, And the, I was just looking at the keeper and slips going, that really fucking hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, my follow-up question was about to be, did you rub it? Did you style it out? And you've answered that with an overwhelming, of course I did it. And you're on all fours telling the keeper and the slips. how Rem- much yeah. remind, remind, really- remind us of this terrifying bowler, because actually, I mean, we should put that clip out, that, that, that bruise out there, because this week on Twitter, there was Brian Close, uh, it's a picture yeah. of Brian Close in 1976 after he'd been pummeled repeatedly by Michael Holding and Andy Roberts with all the bruises on his body. And I've got to say, Finney's is, is up there with that. It's, it's Brian Close worthy. Who, who, who was the bowler who um, inflicted this on you? Um, it was Lyndon James. Lyndon James, a name to rank. Bowls, a, bowls a heavy ball. Yeah, he yeah. does bowl a heavy ball. Yeah. Um, and he bats well as well, actually. He's a nice player. He batted well against us. But yeah, it was um, it was him who hit me. <laughs> now we need to talk about the fact that all preseason you have been calling yourself the right-handed Matthew Hayden. In I the think Nets. he'd have played a shot now, like that. Well, I mean, aside from that six, you scored four runs off thirty-two balls, and in the second innings you were four not out of fifty-one. Now. <laughs> It's quite a different strike rate to Matthew hey, Hayden. It depends what game like. situation he was playing in, doesn't it? If he was if he was batting to save the game and trying to dig himself into a trench, I'm sure that he would um would score at those strike rates. But, you know, just the team player that I am, I'm not willing to have you two on my shoulder um telling me that I need to be hitting sixes in that game situation because that's not what the team needed. So 
uh, no. fuck you and fuck your motives, but I care more about that team. <laughs> and do you know, Finney, I, I agree with you absolutely. And, and that's why I was slightly surprised that on the third evening, with your side in quite a lot of trouble, it's got to be said, because there was that big comeback from Knotts and they got that 160-odd lead after being in all sorts of trouble at 51 for four, was it? Which must have been dispiriting and, and there must have been a lot of, of dropped uh, back there in the camp. And what they were looking for was a leader, a, a man who had been a night watchman before, you know, someone who'd gone out there and, and toughed it out against some of the best bowlers that world cricket had to offer. And they were probably looking around the dressing room and they were looking at Stephen Finn and going, my God, yeah, do you remember when he was night watchman for England? Wouldn't it be brilliant if he'd go out there and be night watchman for us now, just what the team needs? And um, you went, no, I think uh, it's a 19-year-old it's a Jamie Atkins around. Could, could he possibly go out there and be night watchman? Um, how, much well, was, how, been, how, um, much, how much How much? of the team were you thinking about then, Vinny? Well, you see this, you can look up Ethel's arsehole. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Look, right up there. <laughs> I can confirm for people sat at home listening to this that Ethel the cat's arsehole could not be more... More down the webcam. Can we put that still out? <laughs> Ethel's arsehole. That's <laughs> got to be given very, to the nation. The the bruise on Finney's rib and Ethel's arsehole are actually almost <laughs> identical, actually. Both, both, both a ghastly shade of maroon. <laughs> She's not a baboon. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ethel. We've got to stop slagging off Ethel every week. Yeah, talk us through that conversation, Finney, um, when you sent out poor 19-year-old Jamie Atkins to go and be a night watchman, despite well, the fact that you've played foremost, copious amounts of international For the team, for the team. Foremost, I was thinking for the team. Don't forget. It's yeah. yeah. First and foremost, I'm not captain or coach, so I'm not privy to those conversations. Second of all, I'm batting at number nine, which is a, a pretty important decision. And given the fact that we'd lost our all-rounder, Dan Ibrahim, that meant I was batting at eight. And when you Ooh. bat at number eight, you, you sort of warrant a night watchman yourself. You you don't become <laughs> the night watchman. <laughs> wow. So um now that would we're be calling bullshit on that. We're calling one. bullshit on that right now. <laughs> what, you, so you're telling me that a 19-year-old had to go out there and make sure that Finney was ready for tomorrow. Well, who Fucking was hell. who was not out the following day? Consult your scorecard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Finney, that's my point. If you'd actually gone out there and been night watchman. You, you could have been 19 not out off 237 balls at the end of the day and you could have drawn the game. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. But um, <laughs> but Jamie's worked very hard on his batting and he's a very capable batter. <laughs> that's, why he, um, that's why he made it through the evening session and then an hour of the next day and he did a fantastic job for the team. To be fair, he did get eight off 54. Now, also another youngster we need to talk about Archie Lenham, is he the spinner that you took to the cleaners last season in a second 11 uh, game? I think he might be, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. So now he's got to share a changing room with you. Now, have you broached this topic with him since you've got there? Uh, no, but I, I'm looking to bring it up at the right time. You know, I don't want to damage his confidence too much. He's a, he's a good lad and has a bright future ahead of him. And I don't want to remind him of a number 11, a genuine number 11, hitting him for a couple of sixes. Um, to bring him back down to earth when he uh, yeah, number 11 stroke, stroke number eight let's be dead clear well about yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely in the right circumstances and the way that i'm batting at the moment yeah certainly but but no it's uh 
not, not a topic I've encroached with Archie yet. I think he might be back in school this week, so I'll have to see if he's at training tomorrow. We need to talk about what you're actually in the side to do, which is your bowling. And uh, annoyingly, it went rather well. I just thought, oh, Finney's going to be absolutely unbearable. Got, got rid of Hamid with a, what looked like a good ball from, uh, from the video I saw on Twitter, back of a length, just got him prodding at one point. Should, should, should have left it. Any, any, anybody knows Finney's length. He's never hitting the stumps. You've just got to leave it. Just got to leave it. I mean, I'd shoulder arms to every single ball he bowled at me. I, I mean, you know, from square leg. But I would, that's what I would do. And, and they'd all go sailing over the stumps. If you had one of those bowl-offs, you know, when it rains in a one-day game and they've got to do a bowl-off and they've got to try and hit the stumps, Finney will still come in off a 20-yard run-up and he'll still bowl back of a length, fifth stump, around about a foot mm. too high. Never going to hit them. He can't hit the stumps. Mm. Never would. True. And not the worst thing would be his teammates would all be disappointed that he didn't hit the stumps and Finney would be stood there going, no, nice it's not that, beauty, though, that. Oh, yeah, play that. Go on. So, yeah, punch <laughs> off the back foot for four. <laughs> In a bowl off, just bowling back of a length. <laughs> and also got Joe Clark, who's a, who's a good player as well. Joe Clark, good batsman. And Lyndon James, uh, 28 overs. No maidens, Finney. You've never really been one to hold down an end of your... No, it was weird. I actually bowled well. I just found ways to go for one off the last ball of my over quite consistently. (laughs) So I swear, I've gone at three and over, but not bowled any maidens. It was was bizarre. But it's also, we were playing right over one side of the ground. So like there's literally a a 40-metre boundary one way. So you're just so conscious all the time of that 40 meter boundary that sometimes just going for a one off the last ball of the over is a, is a win. Yeah. Now, how, how did you find that you bowled Finney? The figures look like you bowled pretty nicely. Did you feel in good rhythm? I slightly regret not doing this net session that we still need to do with you versus me. I slightly regret not getting it in the diary sooner because I'm slightly worried that you're bowling better this season than you were last season, and you've and I've I've made. A I, terrible I'd be mistake. worried about that if I were you, Tobes, because because from what I saw mm. and I watched it, obviously as a pro, I I watched Finney's bowling and there was some quite nice rhythm there. It was coming out quite nicely. I thought. I mean, yeah, I I, I think that that. The, the specious bullshit about the short boundary, meaning that he conceded one run at the end of the over, is crap. Uh, and I will call him out on that. But um, <laughs> but that he did have unusual figures. I and mean, to go at three and over and, and not bowl a maiden in 28 overs, it was a bit strange. But I felt there was something really quite nice happening there. I thought it was coming out okay. Did you feel it was coming out okay? Finney for England. Hashtag Finney for England. Finney and Darren Stevens is what the yeah. team needs right now. <laughs> Definitely not uh, me, Darren Stevens. Yes, <laughs> not not me. No, I I did feel feel good. I I've done some technical changes over the winter that I haven't managed to do properly over the last couple of years. Whilst playing for Middlesex, I couldn't conquer those things. And a fresh perspective and a fresh approach down here in Sussex is something that I think has served me pretty well. So for the last couple of years, without being too boring technically, my arms been a little bit low and slingy and and I've not quite felt like myself when I've bowled and you chase your tail trying to find a reason for that and it's not always just as simple as get your arm higher there are a lot of other moving parts within a bowling action that lead to you doing that and it's just about taking the time and the understanding and, and having that understanding to 
to work through it and find out the reason why. And and we stumbled across some good stuff down here with James Kirtley over the winter. And, and we had three or four months in the build-up to the season to to really work at it. And I've enjoyed that. And, and I think also you're, you're a bit unlucky because having taken those four wickets early, because basically you can only really get top order batters out, can't you, Finney? Because essentially they're the only ones who will play at that ball outside the off stump that isn't hitting their stumps. All the, the lower order batters just miss that by an absolute mile, don't they? So I think you're a bit unlucky because you got those early wickets and then you had to spend an awful lot of time bowling at the sort of middle and lower order. Well, we actually, we dropped Mullaney twice and he went mm. on to get 190. So if somewhere, if you drop someone on 40 and then 80 and they go on and score runs, you can't really be disappointed if that's the case. It's more your own fault. So yeah, dropping him twice, once at slip, once at cover over the course of that innings is probably what put us in the position to to have to bat out the day on the last day when, yeah, had we taken that wicket in either of those opportunities that we had, then the lead wouldn't have been as substantial um, and we'd have been far more likely to draw the game. Yeah, or win it. Who, who dropped those catches, by the way, just as we can uh, I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers <laughs> on this podcast unless it's at you two. Okay, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We've been told. Uh, well, well done, Finney, mate. And I'm looking forward to uh, to your next game. Who have you got on Thursday? Uh, Derbyshire. And now you've talked me up like that, I'll be getting about none for 120 off 30, I'd have thought. So. Ah, no. Well, that... it'll be great for our podcast if that did happen. <laughs> so, look, it's, it's, you know. Oh, Derby, Derby, Derby is, look, I, I'm going to give, Already, I'm going to set Finney a very low target because Derby is a horrible pitch on which to bowl as a seamer. This time of year, I mean, that is hard yards you've got to do at Derby. Unless their pitches have changed massively over the last, you know, 12 months, you're in for some serious hard yakka there, my friend. But you know that. Nice. I mean, you know that. It's, 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 it's grim. It's a tough task. Tough task. That's four, 480 plays uh, 510. I hope not. Philly, Philly might Philly might be on for um <laughs> a, 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 actually you might get the sort of the, you know the sixty from batting at number nine down the bottom of, you know when there's nothing really in it on the last day and a board draw and you can have a little bit of a swing because you pass the follow on target that's when the sixes might happen I I see it now I read the runes I see it it's Derby trust me if I get an opportunity. I saw the wicket that we're playing on in two weeks' time, actually, against Leicestershire, and it's even closer towards the short boundary at mm. Hove. So uh, that could be my game. Well, we set you a target of 25 boundaries this season. Did we? And you, you did got we one say down. That, I think we did. We did, yeah. Fuck yeah, me. I think we did. did. We? Yeah, we, yeah, we really <laughs> did. Yeah. We said that. I mean, but, but, but sixes, a... I do think it's fair to say that sixes count for at least, at this stage, 1.5, and that could go up. Because for a start, Six is 1.5 times more than four. So I think he's at 1.5. You know, if Look, he gets like 10 sixes, that's like 15 fours. You know what I mean? So we can get 10 Yeah, because I do like the fours. idea of dangling the carrot to encourage him to hit sixes as well. So we'll we'll come back and discuss this. Oh, it's not like this well, is well professional sport. We'll... It's like engaging a striker or bribing a striker to say score from outside the box and the bloke just start shooting from 40 yards out because he's had a he's had a dare with two muppets on a podcast he does that he's going to score from outside the box that's right yeah that that is what this is like and and that's the idea well, i hope i hope anti corruption don't listen to this but yeah 
<laughs> I really hope they do because again, great content for the podcast. If you get pulled well, off in front of some sort of, it'd have to be one of the two listeners that we do have, and by no doubt, I've probably pissed yeah. them off in the last couple of weeks. So, oh well. Well, if if me and Dan get called up to uh, represent you at any of these meetings, just know that I will absolutely stick the knife in. I will not be supporting you at all. I'll say he's corrupt to the core and throw the. And, book and in. I, incidentally, will go one way or the other depending on who pays me the most. There you go. There's there's our moral compass. Uh, Now, we should also quickly go through the rest of the county championship and some highlights. Sir Alistair Cook, 100 for him, 514 runs Essex put on. And uh, also, Brown opening the battle with him, got 107 as well. Compton for Kent, 129. Darren Stevens got a half century, got a couple of wickets as well. James Bracey, the sort of forgotten man, James Bracey, who... Bless him, had a bit of a shocker. I've not forgotten him. England he, shirt, I, but... I think he's one of the most badly treated. I think that was one of the most ill-judged things that's happened in English cricket in the last 30 years. Because that lad has got the capacity to be an England player, an England batter for a long time, when England desperately need them. And they put a number three batter to go in at number seven and keep wicket at Lords against one of the best teams in the world. Well, the best, best team in the world. I thought it was an absolutely shocking decision. I fully expect Bracey to come back. That was beautiful. But please cut to the chase and tell me about Ryan Higgins. Ryan Higgins, was that your was that your highlight wow. of the uh, of the Come on? Look at what Ryan Higgins did. <laughs> Another guy rejected by Middlesex. What did he get? 107 wickets in the match. I mean, in the best game in that whole round of matches. It was an absolute thriller. Gloucestershire were ahead. Well, Northants were ahead. Gloucestershire were massively behind. Then Gloucestershire were ahead. Then Northants were behind. Then they were massively ahead. And they should have, like, it was so, it was so topsy-turvy that we went in with, like, about an hour and 10 minutes to go. I, as you know, I'm a county cricket nuffy. So I, I, I toggle through the commentaries looking for the most exciting game, you know. And on the first couple of days, it's usually the team I, I like. So I look at them. And then by the last day, I just go for the game where something brilliant's happening. And it, Ed Seaborn and somebody else were on commentary um, at Gloucester Northants. And it was absolutely scintillating. They had that, they bloody had that game, Northants, and they lost three wickets in next to no time to go from five down to eight down. Then they had to like bat it out for a draw. It, it, and it had gone back and forth. And in the midst of all of that was Ryan Higgins that Finney knows. And I want Philly to tell us about Ryan Higgins because I tell you, his numbers are getting more and more impressive every year, both with bat and ball. He seems like a serious cricketer, that boy. Yeah, he is a serious cricketer. He's a competitor. He's the sort of guy who you would want on your team in a situation because he's the sort of bloke who will just bowl and bowl and bowl or he'll fight like hell with the bat. Um, yeah, he's just he's one of those guys in the all-rounder mould where... He just loves being involved with the game. Um, and, and I think that's probably his greatest strength. He's obviously got more and more skillful the more that he's played. And I think that was part of his reason for leaving Middlesex or his probably his whole reason for leaving Middlesex at the time was the fact that he wasn't getting the opportunities that he wanted to be able to play four-day cricket and bat far enough up the order and have enough of a role with the ball. Um, because at the time, we were a very strong team that was hard to get into, which disbanded the actually the year that he left. You won yeah, the championship yeah. around that time, yeah. Yeah, but then it, it sort of disbanded the year that he left. Um, 
there had been a couple of really nice opportunities for him at Middlesex. Um, but Gloucestershire seems to really suit him. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a very nice lad, a very good lad. Um, he's got a, a hot head on him, um, which you want sometimes in a competitive uh, situation like that. And yeah, it's no surprise to see him doing well. How quick does he bowl? Really, I mean, what's his quickest? Are we, are we looking at 83, 84? I know on international cricket captain, the game on the computer, they've got him down as a right arm medium, so he can't be that quick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to gauge, really, isn't it? Because there are times where, where you know, guys who bowl around 80 miles an hour feel like they're bowling 87 because the ball's darting around, and then there are times on a hot, sunny day where there's nothing in the pitch that they feel a bit slower so yeah I, to be honest in terms of the speed I wouldn't know I know on the the speed gun in games maybe between 75 and 80 miles an hour but I I, I wouldn't quote me on that because is he, sort of, not... is he Ollie Robinson-esque I mean you know because Ollie Robinson like Muhammad Abbas you know bowls 78 to 82 really but yeah it's... Robinson gets that bounce though Robinson it's, yeah Exactly. Has a very high action, and Robinson's strength is the fact that he brings batters forward the whole time, even though he's a tall man. He doesn't really force people onto the back foot, so he's always challenging both edges of the bat and the stumps. And, and he gets that horrible bounce and carry that makes him feel a lot quicker than he actually is. But so I'm looking forward to playing with him, actually, although. It will mean I'll have to bowl up the bloody hill at Sussex because he likes <laughs> running down it. <laughs> and he will be the does. senior bowler. <laughs> I'm um, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Ryan Higgins is more of a skiddy stump to stump. Nothing's really going to go over the stumps. He's not a tall man. He, he's, not, he's not got a low arm, but you wouldn't look at his action and say he's got a high over-the-top action. Um, he's just a very accurate bowler who, who hits the stumps almost every single ball, which uh, causes problems. He's the man you want in a bowl-off, not Stephen Finn. Absolutely. Sure you yeah, yeah. You'd, want, team, you'd want Higgins in a bowl-off. I'll tell you what he does do, though. He, like, if someone does start like just sitting on the front foot, he will just bowl a random bouncer and be really angry with it. <laughs> he, is, he is an entertaining... The more I hear about this, Higgins... He's I an like entertaining it. man to play with. Well, we'll keep it on him over the coming season. Uh, now, one other major cricket story this week that has shook me to my very, very core and Norcross I think in particular this is going to really upset you. Rumours that the decades-long tradition of cricket clubs offering teas for their visitors, players and umpires is at risk of dying out. Exactly. Cricket leads are worried about being sued if somebody has an allergic reaction and no official guidance has been issued by the England and Wales Cricket Board on the matter. And they're worried that the cricket teas at club level could be a thing of the past and that people have to start bringing their own. Oh. Now, this I only play club Game's cricket. Game's gone, the mate. Teams. Game's some, gone. I've, I've had to get in cars and go on hour drives into the middle of buttfuck nowhere to play a game of cricket and get spanked round the ground by a guy who's much better than me and pay a tenner that the only thing that was good about the day was the teas I'm and the sorry, beer afterwards. right? If you have got a bunch of allergies... Then don't eat the fucking food. Bring your own. If you if you if you're in danger of death, right? Then 
don't eat random food that you can't guarantee the provenance of, right? And presumably, yeah, don't that ruin is, it I for mean, the rest of us. I mean, isn't that how you live your life anyway if you have morbidly dreadful allergies? Surely, that's what you do. Why would the cricket tea be any fucking different? This is insanity. Yeah. You can't you can't make the cricket... You can't, you can't signal out the cricket tea for this. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm very sorry for you if you've got allergies. I mean, it must be, it must be dreadful, but you'll know about them already and as a result you'll be quite careful about not dying you cannot take cricket teas there's no point in bloody cricket apart from you know paying me to commentate on it but there's no point in cricket if you can't go there and just eat in the sunshine that is the point of the game this would break my heart my heart's broken tobe because of covid teas haven't quite been the same the last couple of years if it goes all together well you know it's going to be Surrey Division One's loss when they don't have Toby Tarrant playing for them anymore. I'll well, tell you that much. I mean, what a sad day for cricket. None of us are going to play. No, we're all boycotted. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And it's not just a good tea. The point is sometimes a bad tea. Like when you get a really bad tea, that is something that you can hold against a club and it can really motivate you to beat them the following year. You know, these wankers, they provide some of the worst shit. I mean, I, I'm not going to name names. I might name names, but <laughs> um, uh, there are some clubs where the teas are so god awful. I mean, you actually sort of feel this is food poisoning happening the moment this like, r- rancid sausage roll is slightly green and curly and foul oh, yeah. uh, arrives, and and cucumber that has just gone so wrong. And, and and that makes you, that gives you the motivation to win. That takes you from like an average cricketer to a, a cricketer with a purpose. These fuckers are going to go down for that tea. And similarly, actually, I have found myself playing slightly more flamboyantly at Old Emmanuel, where their teas are so lovely that I really don't mind if I lose my wicket. And, and the quicker I lose my wicket and eat that tea, <laughs> the better it is. Samosas, little pizza segments, you know, chicken tikka, I mean, all of that warm food as well as delicious cakes. Uh, you can't take. You cannot. The, 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 yeah, I'm, no. I'm. I'm incandescent, Toby. I, I can tell. I can tell, Dan. I can absolutely tell. And uh, you know, I agree. I I once ate an entire Black Forest gateau at a game, uh, and 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 I was on to bowl after lunch, and I opened the bowling, and I threw up a a, a pile of cake at the top of my mark and took five wickets because that's what a good tea can do to you. I threw up at the top of my mark, which was really useful because it meant I didn't have to you had a, you had, yeah, yeah, right, leave yeah, it up. The, yeah. yeah, and uh, I just I just set off from the, the pile of Black mm. Forest Gatto sick and I took five for it. I bowled lovely and that's the power of a good tea. Now, Fiddy, how is the tea at Sussex? Because you've yeah. left, and this would have been the hardest thing for me, you've left the best tea in the country at Middlesex. Ooh. They've been good. There, there was one day where it was just a, a turkey burger inside a, a rather sad-looking bun that didn't infuse me all that much. But the, the rest of the time, yeah, it's been it's been lovely. We had lasagnas. We had a roast dinner on Sunday, which because it was a batting day, I absolutely backed the truck up. <laughs> it was lovely. That's one of the best feelings about a cricket lunch is the fact that on a batting day, when you go to lunch, like one or two down, you're like, oh, this is a fucking dream. You turn up late, you just you have 15 minutes just sat in the dressing room contemplating what you might get for lunch. 
if you get lucky, you get a roast dinner or a steak or something mm. like that. At Lords, they used to do steaks every now and again or lamb cutlets, and mm. and you'd just you'd like salivate at the thought of it being that, and you'd go up there on a batting day, and it'd be lamb cutlets or steak, and you'd be like, the the Lord has answered all my prayers this morning. It's wonderful, and and I had that on Sunday this week: like roast potatoes, roast chicken, gravy, oh, a whole lot. Awesome. So. I was still sat in the lunchroom when play resumed after lunch. I wandered back up to the dressing room, had a coffee, and then um, had a little lay down on the sofa in the dressing room and watched the boys bat. It was a, it was a wonderful afternoon. So you played for England at, at the right time because when you saw Cook and Trot and Peterson and Bell and Pryor and all that going out to bat, you knew that you had a couple of days where you were going to put your feet up. Imagine being a bowler in the current England setup. Even if you're not down at lunch, you daren't eat too much because you're going to be batting in 45 minutes. No comment. Well, it does, <laughs> it does remind me. I mean, you know the, the great Mike Gatting and his son and Angus Fraser story at Lords when lamb cutlets was... Were, they've had lamb cutlets for many years. And uh, Mike Gatting brought his son in and his son had two two lamb cutlets. He went, he went, for, he went back for seconds and Mike was looked on appreciatively, as he would do as a proud father. Um, <laughs> Angus Fraser had had the um, prawn cocktail, lamb cutlet, and spotted dick with custard, and then had to go and mark out his run for the first over after lunch. I mean, that is that is top-level professional cricket that we're talking about here, <laughs> courtesy of the MCC. <laughs> there are a number of times where at Lords you just can't help yourself, so you'd go out there after lunch and the whole bowling unit would be looking at each other and you'd be like, you'd all be burping under your breath. You'd be like, Christ, <laughs> these first couple of balls could be a bit interesting. Spot <laughs> <laughs> fixers everywhere need to know this. <laughs> yeah, I could get in a lot of trouble yeah, exactly. with the ICC for this podcast, I think. No. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll we'll pay the fine of all the huge amounts of money that we make from the podcast. So don't you worry at all. Speaking of uh, making money, because we are completely selfless and wonderful and brilliant and brilliant human beings, we do need to mention we are putting on a live event. We are teaming up with the wonderful charity Lords Taverners that myself and Norcross have been involved with for, for many, many years. And we are going to be a part of a lunch event David Gower is also going to be one of the guests there, and we're hoping to entice a couple more names. However, I noticed, I saw the email going around in the social media post, the Taverners have entitled it Lunch with Finn, Norcross and Taron. How have I got bottom billing here? Mate. It's alphabetical, mate. It's alphabetical, it? As simple as that. It's Finn, Norcross, Taron. It's not, it's not our fault. It's, it, 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 it might have something to do with our respective you know, importance to the world of cricket. Although I don't think that can be quite right because it would be Norcross, Finn, and Tarrant, I think. So I think it can mm. only be alphabetical. And what I want to put out there, and what I want to ask our listeners is, what in God's name are we going to talk about? What, what we, I mean, we haven't even discussed this. Can we get some requests? Can we get, can we get some help? Because we essentially yes. just chat to each other on a Monday night. We have no idea what we're supposed to say to a bunch of people in a live audience at Lords on the 16th of May, do we? This is meant to be the part where we sell the oh, event, sorry. Dan, yeah. not the part where you admit that we haven't got anything to talk about. It's meant to be the part where we sell people, <laughs> we sell the tickets to people to try and raise money for a wonderful charity. Um, well, it's the Monday, the 16th of May at the Lords Cricket Ground, and we are going to be 
probably just coercing some more stories out of Stephen Finn. I should also explain to the listeners of this podcast, both of them, that every single week, producer Sal takes out some utter, utter unfiltered filth from this podcast. And as he said the other week, he's got enough evidence to bury all of Mm. our careers if we ever upset producer Sal with some of the things we've said on this podcast that he's had to take out. However, live, unfiltered, after a few drinks... I think, you know, anything could happen in that Can room on the 16th of May. So if you want to hear the uh, the uncensored version of a Zero Dutch Given podcast, this is your opportunity. Lord Savannah's website is where you can get your tickets. What could possibly, possibly go wrong? We need to also mention a very, very big occasion in the cricketing world this week because this week, Ian Bell turned 40 years old and Twitter has been a lovely place as a result because... All I've seen over the past couple of days on Twitter to celebrate Ian Bell's 40th birthday is just people posting videos of Ian Bell cover drives. And really, I'd be fine with Twitter just being videos of Ian Bell cover drives. They are an absolute thing of beauty. Finney, obviously, you, you've played with Ian Bell a hell of a lot. How good was he? Because I saw that he scored more runs than any batsman ever at six at a better average as well in the history of Test cricket. That's how good he was. James Anderson once at a posh dude that I was at said he was the hardest batsman he ever bowled at and he never used to get him out in the nets. How good was he to train alongside and play alongside? Yeah, I mean, he had incredibly high standards, was meticulous about the way that he went about his preparation. It was an absolute luxury to have him batting at number five or six in the England teams that I played for. I mean, Christ, you talk about being able to book yourself in for lunch, as you said, but yeah, a top six that has him at six and Pryor at seven. And your batting number 11 is just an absolute dream. <laughs> you, you just win the toss and bat first. You, you might as well just go home and go back to the hotel <laughs> and not come back. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, a good player to to play with and train against because, like you say, if you're getting Ian Bell out in the nets or you even make him play a miss, you're in pretty good rhythm. And and yeah, most of my memories uh, of watching him when I was growing up because he was the young upstarter in the team and I became really interested in cricket and wanting to play for England and then to go into a dressing room and share the environment with him for a few years was wonderful also. So yeah, I was a very good man to have in your team because he made batting look so easy. The best cover drive he... Bloody good short leg Best cover well. drive he ever played though was the one off his son's bowling on Twitter. Yeah, where he says, don't bowl there, son, after he hits it. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. A man who controls his own he son. pures one. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely pures one back past him and just says, don't bowl there, son. That's, that's one of my favourite videos ever. <laughs> Another big shocking moment in the world of cricket this week, Ashwin becoming the first batsman to ever be tactically oh. retired out in the IPL. So he he got out of the way. He was promoted to number six and then he retired out so that the next batsman could come in and tee off. What do we make of that as a tactic? Is it unsportsmanlike? Is it genius? What is it, Norcross? It's absolutely the logical extension of what's supposed to happen in T20. And anybody who thinks that there's some disrespect going on or there's bad spirit of cricket or any of that nonsense does not understand what the point of... T- T20 cricket is not test cricket. If you retired somebody out in test cricket, eyebrows should be raised. In T20 cricket, P- 
People should have been retiring people out long before this. And it's not because you're disrespecting what they've done. What Ashwin had done, actually, let's put it in the context, was save his side. He, he brought his side back into a good position through a diligent partnership. He wasn't being disrespected by being removed. There was a very small amount of time left in the game, in the innings. And he had saved them from being four down for zip and got them to where they needed to be. And then they hauled him off and put on someone who was then going to be able to smash the ball over the boundary, which is exactly what should happen. That's what, T if you're going to do tactics, and if you're going to talk numbers, and if you're going to think that T20 cricket is anything, it's all about those kind of things. It's about analysis. It's about moments, because you've got so few of them. There's 120 of them. In a test match, it's a different matter. I don't know. There may be a reason for taking somebody off, maybe on the last day if you were chasing or something like that. But in a T20 game, I thought it was genius. I think there needs to be way more of it. I think teams need to think more like that. I thought it was magnificent. I mean, it worked. They won by three runs in the end and yeah. maybe that retirement was Well, it almost was certainly was, though. And, uh... It really almost certainly was. And that's the point. You know, if, if T20 is going to take itself seriously... It's got to work like that. It's got to think tactically to that degree within the laws of cricket. I thought it was brilliant. Philly, what do you make of it as a, as a, as a proper cricketer? Oh, I'd imagine there's some guys working or getting paid overtime at the MCC, rewriting some particular rules of cricket as we speak. I think I'd imagine that beyond this IPL, I can't see it remaining a legitimate way of removing a batsman. I don't think because... The, it errs on the side of man cadding and and the spirit of cricket. I think. In what way does it do that, Philly? Honestly, it's like in the laws of cricket, you've got the resources. You've got ten wickets in a twenty-over game to score as many runs as you can. And if you if you decide to take somebody out of your team and go right, he's out now. Rather than waste the ball where you tell him to hit his own wicket. You just keep that ball. All that is, is just like, that's cricket smart, isn't it? Well, I'm just thinking as a bowler, because if I've got a bloke who's plinking them all over the place, I want to keep him in. And I'm oh, doing a shit. good job by, well, no, I'm doing a good job by keeping him in. You don't get to just retire him out so that then some bloke who can smash it out of the park can come in and ruin my figures. Um, yeah, but he can no, hit his can, own wicket. You can on... do one. But what he can hit his well, own yeah, wicket. Well, yeah, then I get the wicket. Then I get the wicket. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it all That's boils, it all down, boils to, down to, isn't it? Is you get your wicket. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think I'm with Finney on this one. I appreciate that it was smart. I do think it's kind of hard to stop, though, because, okay, the MCC rewrite the rules. So what does Ashwin do next time? Oh, my my calf's a bit sore. I think I've pulled something. I well, no, he just, he just, he just runs himself hard. out going for a third run. I mean, that's, that's the point. You know, yeah. Ultimately... There's any number of ways a batter can be removed from the scene of the crime of, of batting. He, 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 they, they just chose what was entirely within the laws of cricket. Now, if you take that Who's out... decision? Then what happens is they run one and then Ashwin dawdles down the middle of the wicket. He goes, well, are you going to run me out or not? <laughs> Ashwin retired himself, though, didn't he? It was his decision. Which is even... It's even more obviously... beautiful. I mean... It's even yeah. more, and then he bowled beautifully, actually, in, in the next innings to um, to drive Rajasthan Royals to a worthy victory. I thought that everything about it was, that's what we want to see more of in cricket. We want to see more messing about with 
stuff that's legitimate and within the laws, don't we? Oh, I wonder how Josh Butler and Ravi Ashwin are getting on playing in the same team after the Mancad incident yeah, a well, couple of years ago. That, yeah. <laughs> be nice to be a fly on the wall, yeah. wouldn't it? Um, and very finally, the one game that I wanted to mention was South Africa beating Bangladesh in their test series and uh, 10 wickets in the second innings for the spinners. Maharaj and Simon Harmer has been recalled to the test side uh, after years away. But uh, what I really want to mention is the wonderful batting statistics batting statistics of Ebadat Hussain for Bangladesh. Now, he is statistically the worst test batsman in history at the moment. This is wonderful. So, he has played now 14 test matches. He has batted 22 times. Does anyone want to suggest how many runs he has scored in his 22 innings? Finney, do you want to go first? Eight. I was going to go nine, but... Finney, bang on. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) He's got a batting average of 0.8, but I should also mention he's got a high score Ooh. of four, and that was a boundary. <laughs> so if you take out that boundary, he's got four runs in his other Can we find that out? Can we find that boundary? Because I, I bet it's an inside edge, just past leg stump. It's got to be. It's it's how is he not inside edge or outside edge more? <laughs> he's that <laughs> bad. <laughs> that is it. 0.8. He makes Chris Martin look like Sachin Tendulkar. By the this way, incidentally, because since we're talking about Ebadot Hossein, until he had an extraordinary, he had an extraordinary match in which he took a, a vast number of wickets for very few runs. Before that, he averaged something like 90 in test cricket. And if you go and look at the worst bowlers, I say worst, because that's very unfair, but you know, the bowlers with the worst averages in test cricket who are actually bowlers who have taken more than eight test wickets, Ebadot Hossein is in the top 25. I think he averages 59. And that is with a best match. Uh, the, uh, the best match where he took something like 11 for zip. So he's, he's outside of that game. He is averaging around about 90 with the bat. And he's averaging <laughs> 0.8 with the ball. And, you know, I'm starting to think I do have a future as a test cricketer. <laughs> I think I think he won't be getting sent out as a night watchman anytime soon even Finney wouldn't send that poor bloke out to go and bat at the end of a day's play uh, and on that note chaps we'll say goodbye for another week but lovely to chat to you both and uh, I'll see you in a week's time Finney go well this week we'll be watching no pressure thank you cheers bye Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.